ladies and gentlemen, we are back. You know who it is. It's Cover 3 Sports with Dave, Matt, and Nick. We got a good show for you coming today. Uh, we got some new topics, new kind of uh, way we're throwing some things out there. But before we get into that, uh, please go out and give us a five-star rating. Give us a like. Give us a follow on Spotify. And if you got any questions, you got any concerns, you got any topics that you want to throw at us, if you just want to give us some hate mail, I always love that. Email us at cover3sports at gmail.com. Uh, all spelled out, no numbers. Cover3sports at gmail.com. So now we're going to get into it. We got some new uh, content we're going to be doing right now. We're going to be doing some quick fire narratives where we throw out a topic and each one of us got a minute to throw out our best things or uh, I Have guess. a response and stuff, right? Yeah, our best response of, of uh, why we feel the way we do, bringing some evidence to kind of back it up. And you got sixty seconds, baby. So once the clock stops, the clock you're done. That's it. But you do get a you do get a, a one minute uh, rebuttal, of course. When you know when the time comes, so as well. But let's should, should oh, we uh, tell them what it is, or should we just go right into it? And let's go into it. So right. first topic, first narrative that we're gonna, quick uh, quick fire narrative that we're going to be doing is. Shohai Otani, uh, pitcher uh, for the uh, Los Angeles Angels, uh, MVP and Cy Young. Is it possible for him to win the MVP for the MLB this year and the Cy Young Award in the same year? Go. I'm actually going to take it first as being the baseball guy, and I think it is completely possible for him to do it. It is very unlikely, but I'm actually going to go a different spin. It is Extremely possible for him to win this Cy Young. He's an incredible pitcher. Uh, it There's not many pitchers that can throw 99-plus that are in the league. You know, it has climbed a little bit over the years, but to have command uh, has been, along with the 99-mile-an-hour pitch plus, is, is hard to do. His stuff, his splitter is, is unhittable, and I think that he can win the Cy Young. The problem I think that comes into, and he is an amazing uh, hitter, but the problem is the Angels. Now, I'm going to bring out a little bit of a, a Trout scenario. The Angels have had Trout over a decade, and they have yeah. yet to make the playoffs. They have yet to even be sniffing at contention. And they have never put anybody behind <coughs> Trout, along with Trout, to be able to sustain a franchise in, in any way. Now they have Otani. They have the, one of the two best hitters in the league, and they still struggle with that. So to me, I think what limits Otani is the, to the, the totals. I think there's, there's other players and other teams that are going to be able to have inflated – RBI numbers, run numbers, uh, they're going to have higher OPS. They're going to have more situations where they can succeed in, uh, in clutch moments. And so I think that's going to separate them in the race rather than Otani. So to me, I, I think it's completely plausible, but I just I don't see it. So that was definitely more than a minute, but um, I'll go. I say there's zero chance that somebody, anybody could win both awards in the same year just because baseball voters and people are grumpy old Gus's and they don't agree on anything. 
right? And they wouldn't want one person to get that much recognition. How many people have gotten into the Hall of Fame unanimously in baseball history? One, two. One. Oh, actually, just one. Yeah, that's right. It was uh... one, right? Even though other guys were clearly the best option, right? They, like, it was a no-brainer. Baseball guys always have to pretend they're super smart, and so they're going to overplay this, and you can't have the one guy win both. Yeah, I forgot that it was uh, Griffey was one short and uh he was three short. He was three short? Yeah. Oh, that's right. It was three short. And then uh it was uh it was Mo uh uh that w- that got it for uh for the Yankees. So that was that was pretty nice. But but I will say well deserved. that the way the system is set up for the Hall of Fame is broken in itself. So it's the reason why people like for example, the Griffey scenario, the three guys that voted it didn't vote for him their reasoning behind it is that he was a shoe-in to get into the hall of fame (laughs) and so their their perspective was like well i then i'm going to use my vote for my extra because you get a certain amount of votes right different people and so they were like well he's definitely going to get in so i'm going to use that vote somewhere else right i definitely think they need to restructure that uh i'm a little bit with you but baseball has progressed in a way that this season alone is going to be i can't wait to dive into future topics on on just what has happened what is happening right now in baseball how the game has is just exploded in a new direction that i'm excited for as as a fan and uh yeah so i think i think he can i I, it's uh i mean you have griffey in the 90s you have alex rodriguez i know he's a steroid pumper uh, you have people love the faces of of baseball, and so I think Otani can be can be. They want him to be that. MLB wants him to be that, and so I think that if he has the offensive stats that go along with his pitching, I mean, he came close. He was in the the talk a few years ago. I think it was twenty twenty one, where he had out you know very good offensive numbers. His pitching was uh, was really good, and he was close in both things. I think if he has an outstanding year in pitching, and it's an uphill battle, but if he can put up the numbers to pretty much win the triple crown, I think that uh, I think he can take both and be kind of the face of uh, of baseball of of new baseball today. There you go. Yeah, so for me, I guess you know, to take you know take my sixty seconds here. Um, yeah, I, I think there's absolutely no chance that it happens. Um, I th- uh, at least you know from a ba- uh, baseball history standpoint, I mean the the closest it's ever happened. I think probably well actually the t- only time it's ever happened was uh was in nineteen seventy one. Uh, the Oakland Athletics Vita Blue he set the record at the time for the lowest ERA at one point nine two. Uh, and he won the MVP that year as well. Uh, but but other than that, like, I just don't think in this day and age, especially that it's possible for that to actually happen. Um, I think uh, Otani is, I mean, at a, with you know, he's only been in the league for a short time. Um, but even with that, I mean, obviously he's a very talented hitter and a great pitcher. But I think it's looking at his stats, I think it's more likely he wins to Cy Young. And I just I think there's too many great hitters to contend with. Um, which don't get me wrong, there's great pitchers as well, but I just think he sets himself apart more as a pitcher than he does as a hitter compared to like to the the mammoths that that are that are hitters as well, kind of thing, and other people he would have to contend with. So yeah, absolutely for me, uh, not a chance. 
And that's my 60 seconds. Boom. Uh, any rebuttals for that? Anybody? Uh, I nope. guess the question is, is what if he hits, he gets a hundred, over 100 RBIs, hits 36 home runs, OPS over 1,000, you know, which is not, it's a bit of a push, but not not far off. If he He'll can, get one, but he can't get both. He can't get both? Yeah. You got to share the love. You got to make more guys look big. You got to, I can't see it happening. Yeah. I mean, especially, I mean, think about this. I mean, think about, this will be my 60-second rebuttal before we move on to the next on the next topic, but um, as to why I kind of like double down on it's not happening. I mean, in the history of the league, there's been a lot of, there have been pitchers uh, that have hit as well in, in the history of the league. One that, uh, that, you know, that I'm, I'm assuming you guys probably know about, but Babe Ruth actually before he played for the Yankees was a pitcher and a hitter for the Red Sox. Um, and he was phenomenal as a pitcher and a hitter. And, and even then didn't win. I, I mean, those type of awards aren't given out easily. Where you where you win both? I mean, it's it's very rare that those type of things happen. Um, and, and for a pitcher, now obviously what Otani has again, you know, compared to Vita Blue, who who had won the Cy Young and the MVP back in 1971, is uh, Vita Blue as a pitcher uh, only. I mean, he mostly he he got the, the MVP for that as well uh, because he was the most valuable player, you know, voted at, for his team. That being said, I mean, more commonly MVPs are are not pitchers. They always they tip it they put it on hitters because they obviously have more of an impact on the game. They play more games and it's play more, more day to day. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, no, that's pretty much mine. So any other rebuttals before we move on? Nope. Okay. On the next topic. So the next narrative is, is Lamar Jackson were two first round picks. Uh, for those that don't know, the Baltimore Ravens uh, uh, put a non-exclusive ta- a tag on Lamar Jackson this uh, during this off season, which means that basically if a team, uh, uh, Offers him a, him a contract, a, a deal. Offers him a contract. If the Ravens do not, ma- they have a chance to match the contract. But if they don't match it, the other team gets Lamar, but they have to give up two first round picks. So the narrative is: Is Lamar Jackson worth two two first round picks? Go. I'll go first. Um, I think it de- it depends. So I will say really quick. I think there's two parts to this question: Is he worth two first round picks? Is he worth the guaranteed money? I think if you are willing to invest a system that revolves around him like the Ravens have, he might be worth two first-round picks if you're a bad team. Um, <clears throat> but the guaranteed money is the other thing. If you're going to have a guy who's finished the last two years injured, right, and you're going to give him guaranteed money for a long-term contract, that gets a little dicey. you know. But in an NFL where you need a quarterback, and he can be explosive, he can be an MVP, I could see teams giving him the giving up the picks for him. I just can't see them paying him as well to that level. Well, Matt, that was forty six seconds. You, you said so you, you want your last ten. You good? Nope, we're good. Right. We're good. Um, I'll go next. So that's cool, Nick. So, uh, so for my for my sixty seconds here. So, no, honestly, I don't think he's. I I think it's it's rare to say that anyone's worth two first round picks in that situation. But in in my in my I mean, so that's already a hill you have to, that you have to overcome. But for Lamar, though, you know, I mean, not to be disrespectful, but but no, I don't think he's in any, anywhere near worth two first-round picks because of his injury history, but because of the type of quarterback that he is, which I'm not saying that quarterbacks that can, that can run the ball are not successful in the NFL because they very much have shown that they can be. I mean, Lamar himself has won the MVP at one point um, within the last uh, few years here. But uh, ultimately, no. I mean, I just – with the type of you – have, you have, what you're willing to give up 
I mean, to lose that type of draft capital to have to, I mean, you'd have to be ready to take on a quarterback of that type for your system uh, because it'd be difficult to, I mean, to put all your chips in one basket like that to be, and to be able to have to then build your team around that when you don't even have two first round picks in the first place. So I just, and, and the guaranteed money, yeah, with his injury history, I just don't think it's worth it. So no, absolutely not. I think it can be. It just matters what type of a team you are, how, how you're built. Uh, it's now I'm just kind of playing devil's advocate here for you guys. Cause I do agree with your points. Absolutely agree with your points. And I'm, I'm actually on more on your boat than my own, but to play difficult devil's advocate here, I'm going to say it depends on what team it is and how you're structured, how your contracts are structured and whether or not you're just a quarterback away. Hence kind of the jets, good defense have traded away picks with Seattle, for example, and have built up a team around them and they're a quarterback away. And so you're giving up two picks that are, you know, in the back half of the uh, the first round. I think that would be worth it, especially because as we've seen with Cleveland, Detroit, Atlanta, the list goes on throughout history. The desperation for a quarterback is just that desperation. And he's a, he's a winner. He can win. And so it's, and that's I, I can see him taking it, Six. taking a chance. So I'll do my rebuttal real quick. Uh, Nick hit some points that I was ready to hit right after David, too. I think it depends on the team. Um, if you're a team that's in burn it down for a championship mode, then I think you could, right? You could justify that move. The Jets were who I thought of. I even kind of thought about the Broncos last year, which is ironic because they did trade for a quarterback. But, you know, like if you have an elite defense – You've got a good team. If you're a defensive-minded team and you want a, an offense that's going to run the ball and sustain drives and kill the clock and keep the game short, I mean, you give up two first-round picks to have a chance to win a championship for the next two years. Yeah, I can see that happening. The other thing I will say real quick is that, uh, like, a lot of times we think of the NFL as, like, you're going to build a team for the long haul. Like, how often does that happen? It, like, never happens anymore. I thought the Seahawks were building a team for the long haul, and then it fell apart after three years. There is no long-term plan anymore. There we go. So yeah, can I jump on that real fast? All right. Get your so rebuttal. I think that's yep. one thing that's that you mentioned is unprecedented that we're seeing in the, this modern age in the last decade of football, of the NFL, is the fact of, of people are burning it down uh, or burning their chips or whatever you want to call it to win one Super Bowl, and then that's it. You have the the Rams traded for their quarterback away, traded everything to get Stafford to win one Super Bowl. And then now, like, they're literally just kind of like trying to, you know, cut everybody to get under cap. The same thing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We talked about it in, in podcasts back then. The, the financial trouble that Tampa Bay is in and how much they have to play not only Tom Brady – but the list goes on. And I mean, how many, it was like 50 million or over that under, over the cap. It was a ridiculous number. Yeah. But teams are looking more today to saying, you know, I'm just going to buy everything I can right now, push the, kick the can down the, uh, what is that? Down the, the road, down, the, down road. the road and then deal with the destruction when I, when I deal with it. And, 
for people trying to get that one Super Bowl is worth it to them. Yeah, there we go. So Dynasty, I almost think, are right. kind of done. That was over 60 seconds. So on the next two topics, I'm going to be very strict about that. So once it's over, it's over. You, you, Dave, you got no rebuttal? Done. Uh, my my 60-second rebuttal to that is I'd say I, I can agree with that. I mean, a lot of teams are basically burning down uh, their draft capital, essentially, their short term to get short-term success. Um, I, I'm, an argument could be made that, yeah, I mean, obviously, look at the Rams. I mean, they're – um, an example of it working, but there's definitely there's plenty of examples of it not working. So for me, I mean, I've, I I am and always will be a draft and develop guy and bringing in free agents to to put in uh, to to put in uh, to fill in spots to get you to that point and building around guys. But I mean, as for doing what it takes just to win like that to give up such big picks, I I just don't think it's there's not enough examples of it actually happening of it working out. I mean, recently, sure, I guess you could say the Bucks and the Rams. But even with that, I mean, the the Bucks already had a team, and they and they signed Brady, but they didn't do what the Rams did. The Rams, even more so, burned everything down to, to try to make that work. No, they they did. Now, what do you mean they already they already had a team in, in place? They, and they brought out, in they, they brought in Tom, Tom. They went and got Gronk. They wanted yeah, but they, they but they didn't burn it down to get them in the first place. They they signed these guys and and came out of retirement. Uh, but well, Gronk and then of- overpaid guys to keep them for a couple of years. Yeah, well, that's that's my, that's the example. It, they're not burning draft capital, but they're burning themselves to a position of financially, financially, where you're signing Gronk for what is it, eleven million a year? You're signing Brady to this this huge deal, guaranteed money as well. You're extending uh, Evans. You're doing all of these things um, contractually that. Now they're in a situation where it's they've cost themselves five years, but hey, they won a Super Bowl. That's true. It's true. Yeah, that's not that's true. For the record, it's one rebuttal, not two. But anyway, <laughs> on to the next topic. Hey, Wait. really quick, David, as we move on to the next topic, it actually are we doing the one that I recommended? Uh, yes, uh, I think that's a great segue because uh, yeah. what I mentioned at the end of my rebuttal is going to lead right into this one. Go ahead, absolutely. What's the next topic is cap or no cap in the NFL. So should there be a cap or 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 no cap in the NFL? Yes or no? Go. And can for, I- really quick, really quick, for our young listeners out there, when we say no cap, we mean no salary cap, just so we're clear. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, I'm going to jump to this one first. And I only need <clears throat> just go. Three words to to actually I'm just going to continue on. I apologize for that. <laughs> I would say there absolutely needs to be a salary cap. And I'm going to bring up one name that would defy everything, and that would be Jerry Jones. There are certain owners that are just multimillionaires, billionaires in this in this league that could spend money in an unprecedented way where small market teams would just fall at the wayside and you would start seeing the NBA of the NFL where it's two, three teams that are winning it all and everybody else is just a farm system. The, the difference in having a salary cap is – are you a business or are you not a business? Do you have the ability that separates the men from the boys or whatever gender thing you want to throw out there in that? Can you work within your constraints to sign certain contracts to certain years to build a, a dynasty? And that's time. All right. Yeah, so, so I need more there time. we go. So, okay. So for me, I'm going to, you know, I'd say absolutely need needed a cap. Um, I, you know, as a Yankees fan and the MLB there, I mean, there is a salary cap in place. Uh, but there's luxury tax that you pay if you go over the cap, which teams pay that over the, all the time. So big market teams like the Yankees, the Red Sox, 
uh, the Phillies, uh, the, the, uh, the, the Dodgers. These are teams that are willing to pay that money so they can get these big free agents to bring them in. To, to, I mean, to sell season tickets, to, uh, to be able to, you know, to create revenue, uh, to push revenue for their teams, and uh, to be able to, you know, be a contender in the playoffs and, and to be contend for a World Series championship. Uh, but no, for the NFL, I mean, there's no question in my mind that the NFL is probably one of the best, if not the um, one of the best, if not the best uh, sports product uh, in the sports world. And uh, if you know, if it ain't if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I mean. Raising the salary cap is one thing based on uh, the economy and based on where things are going. But ultimately, you, yeah, you need a cap to make sure that you have uh, equal opportunity, well, equitable, equitable opportunity for a championship. And that's my time. I actually think that um, the reason we're seeing teams blow it up now and that you don't see dynasties in the NFL is because teams aren't allowed to keep the great young talent that they do draft and develop over time, i.e. the Seahawks. Um and so because of the limit, because of the the quarterback in that position and the money it, it draws, I think there needs to be at least some kind of flexibility to be able to keep the players that you've drafted and developed to allow teams to be able to keep players like that and pay them all, you know, like the Legion of Boom, right? It was a good example of that. Um, I actually think that the NFL is one of the the – it does give more opportunity for small market teams to be successful, but it is the least – um, economically, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I know I'm almost, I'm almost out of time, but um, free market. It's the least free market sport in the world. And so I think that kind of hurts it also. Can I do a rebuttal? And go ahead, Nick, for your So vote. I kind of have to disagree with you. I, I don't blame the organization for that. I blame the players for that. And Sean Jackson. I mean, sorry, Deshaun Watson, excuse me. Yeah, I, to me, it's you still have the players have changed today in in guaranteed money um and so i i i think that if you open up the salary cap that's only going to make this because the way that players have created a brand for themselves and have branched out to want more guaranteed more stipulations in their contracts which is why teams have to let them go and you have a small market team that's rebuilding and has ton of, of, of cap space that they ended up signing. They end up signing this, this guy to, to me, if you have no salary cap, it opens up, it widens that, that margin between player teams, losing players. I don't think you gain teams, keeping players. I think it grows in the other direction. Yeah. And for my rebuttal on this, yeah, I just don't think it's a, it's a good idea at all. It sets a very dangerous precedent uh, and what and does widen. I agree that the relationship between the players and the teams and not to mention, I mean, you you have players like, uh, like Deshaun Watson, just honestly setting an unrealistic uh, uh, precedent and unrealistic expectation, truthfully um, um, for, for players to expect such guarantee money to pretty much bend over teams uh, to be able to do that. Uh, not to mention the fact, I mean, what do we love about the NFL? We love the parody of the NFL, right? That's what's so that's what's so exciting about that. Anyone could win every single year. Uh, not to mention the fact that if we end up doing something like that, what is, what's going to end up happening? We're going to be like the NBA. That's what's going to end up happening with the NFL. I mean, because where does everyone want to go? New York and L.A. Because that's where you can best promote yourself, get get the best uh, uh, endorsements, and actually be able to have a bigger um, a brand for yourself and make yourself even more money. Uh, so that's why, absolutely, yeah, I don't think it's a good idea. And can you imagine if Bill Belichick, you want to give Bill Belichick money? Seriously? The guy wins. He has been only known as a winner. 
And now that's going to be our second warning for Nick for no rebuttals. Oh, come after on. Your first. Goodness gracious. Is there a penalty? Uh, but Matt didn't get a rebuttal. He hasn't done his yet. Actually, here's here's what I think. Because I don't want to totally open soft cap, but I don't like the hard cap that we have right now. Um, what I really think we need is some kind of um, like a soft cap and not like the luxury tax because I don't like that either. Um, one thing I like that I've seen before is uh, like Major League Soccer, right? There's not a lot of things Major League Soccer does that's great that I love. But one thing I do love is they, they encourage growth of young athletes, young players. And so what they do is they'll allow uh, contracts to be counted different against their um, against their rules, their salary rules. So imagine if, like, you draft a player and you can sign a player to a the same contract as another team, but it would count less against your cap because he's a homegrown player. Does that make sense? So it'll allow you to keep young guys you've drafted and developed and pay them maybe a little more than everybody else and, and have the same time. Out. Sorry. Sorry to interrupt you, buddy. No, you're good. Seconds. Baby, you just take your time. This clock <laughs> guy over here, this is ridiculous. That's probably, I'm, just, I'm just going to talk till he tells me I can't talk anymore. <laughs> I feel like you're putting chains on me, bro. You're it's okay. It's okay. But hey, we'll be, it's the first time doing this. We'll get used to it. But the hammer's going to be brought down on you guys. Hammer's being brought down. All right. So our next topic, our last topic today for quick fire narratives is going to be the NBA play-in tournament. Is it worth it? And does it does it make the league more watchable? I'm going to go ahead and if you guys don't mind, I'm going to jump in. Go ahead, jump in. I'm going to say, and what was the parameters? So the NBA, okay, well, let me stop the timer real quick. So the the, the topic is uh, about the NBA play-in tournament. Uh, and just, you know, uh, is it worth it? And does it make the league more watchable? And for those that don't know, um, essentially the for for many years, the the playoff format for the NBA is the the bet uh the best eight teams in each conference, the East Conference and the West Con- Western Conference, Eastern and Western Conferences, um, make the playoffs. And of course, and from there you've got first uh, first one seed versus the eight seed, two versus the seven, so on and so forth. So what they what they implemented was a play-in tournament to prevent teams from uh from essentially just you know giving up at the end of the season to make the because it's an 82 game season uh for the nba uh so to make it m- more watchable uh, you know, for longer in the period so teams aren't just sitting players to get better picks essentially so what they do is is the the last uh you, you want seeds one through six are locked in at the end of the season but basically there's teams uh, the teams that are in seven through ten essentially play each other in a, in a play-in type tournament where the seven and eight seeds play each other uh, on the, on the uh, in each conference on the first on the first day, and the the winner of that game is a seven seed locked into the seven seed. The loser of that game is not eliminated, but basically play uh, plays for a chance for the eight seed still uh, a few days later. Uh, the next day, uh, the nine and ten seeds play each other, and the winner of that game moves on to the next next uh, the next day, whereas the loser is eliminated. And then finally, the very final day of uh, of the uh, playing tournament, it's the winner of that nine uh, nine t- ten seed game plays the loser of that first seven seven seed eight seed game, and the winner of that is the eight seed for the NBA playoffs. So that's how the NBA that's how the tournament uh, how the playing tournament is set up. So the question is, is it worth it, and does it make the league more watchable uh, for uh, professional basketball? So Nick's going to go ahead and take the first uh, first sixty seconds and go. I say no and no. Like worth it for who? The fans? You know, you're not winning. 
like the Minnesota Timberwolves. Like, come on, man. Do you honestly think that you're going to ever win a championship? It's basically 27 teams that are a farm system with three teams always winning. The NBA has the worst parody known to man. I don't understand how people can be fans in the NBA of a team. You know that you're a farm system team to Golden State, the Lakers. It just it doesn't make no sense to me. To me, it's like, is it watchable? No. The only the thing that it's worth it is for the owners of like LA, Golden State, not only to make money, but they get more games to be able to in big situations to be like, you know what? I like that guy. Let me trade three first uh, future picks for, uh, to get that guy from your team, which happens all the time. How many times do you see on ESPN where this player gets traded for three and that's time non-protected first rounders? All right. So with my 60 seconds, I mean, I like 100 percent. Um, I say it's yeah, it doesn't make it more watchable in any I mean, because teams are still going. Uh, the whole point of doing this planned tournament is allowing the ability for teams to make it more to make it more watchable longer and for teams not to just basically phone in at the end of the season. The Dallas Mavericks were fined seven hundred and fifty thousand uh, dollars because on April 7th, they played the Chicago Bulbs in an elimination game. Basically, whoever won that game, if the Mavericks win that game, they're in the playing tournament. But they sat key players, multiple key players to essentially be able to phone it in and lose the game so they didn't have to play so they can get a better lottery pick. So they were fined $750,000 uh, $750, uh, for con con conduct detrimental to the league uh, in that elimination game. So, yeah, for me, absolutely not worth it. Obviously, teams are still going to phone it in. They're still going to uh, lose it you know, if they don't want to play. And, and and ultimately, I mean, it's it's too many teams, too many teams in the first place. It's always been watered down, and it always will be. Okay, yeah. so – Real quick, um, Nick, when was the last time – or how many times have the Lakers won the, the championship over the last 10 years? Oh, man. Uh, once, okay. That was in the bubble with LeBron James. So I would say that there's – I mean, Golden State's a good example. Golden State's always kind of there. Um, but outside of Golden State, I mean, who else is a power consistently? Uh, well, you had – Cleveland the Everything answer is that. answer is nobody knows because nobody likes the NBA but you know, <laughs> um, I'm a Thunder fan and I understand Nick's Nick's talk about the draft picks too I mean uh, I was watching the Thunder hoping they'd get in and I will say that's one good thing about this whole process you have a chance to be able to get smaller teams a chance to play and maybe make the tournament it's the idea um, and it was kind of fun watching the the Thunder play but Thunder, they were talking about the Thunder. They've got a bunch of young stars that were coming, and we got 15 draft picks over the next four years. Oh, dang. First round picks. Wow. All right, there will be a 30-second a, uh, fine for the next person going to their 60 seconds. <laughs> all right, so I'm <laughs> just kidding. Um, all right. I'm going to open up my cash app. Nick, Let's go. Nick, here, <laughs> see, this is why we talk about cap. Right $750,000 money well spent. <laughs> all right nick your rebuttal you know you asked the question of like who has been the powerhouse the powerhouse has been whoever follows lebron wherever he goes i mean golden state has had it they've continually had it uh lebron when he went to miami people ended up pairing with him he wins there he goes back how to many, cleveland how many times in miami yeah he, uh, two or three times two so he wins two times in miami then you got the Spurs dynasty before that, you know, they ended up retiring. Yeah. 
the but the Spurs, I mean, it falls certain coaches as well as certain teams. If you go look at the history of the winners, it's been the Lakers, the Celtics. You have maybe like a redheaded stepchild that wins it every, you know, two, three, four times type of thing. But in this Toronto moment, Raptors. Well, there that's there's your redheaded stepchild. <laughs> at the same time, they burn it down financially to be able to do that. And the year after they won it, it ended up being where like every all the fans were like, yeah, "That's time. That time, was for, a great time for the rebuttal. Future, that's screw time. the future. We that's won time. One. That's time. That's partially on me because I responded back during this game. <laughs> all right. So from my, my rebuttal. So, but ultimately, the question is, does it make the league more watchable? So I guess, I mean, I guess in that sense, Matt, I mean, I, I can see your point where it does at least, you know, gives you something to root for at the end of the season. Um, uh, and, but for me, as it's always been with the NBA that I feel like, it's just like with the with the NHL as well, uh, letting so many teams into the playoff field, I just don't think it's, it's like almost as it, it, it takes away the importance of the regular season. Whereas I know that the NFL now has, has 14 teams that go in. Uh, because we initially had we had uh, twelve for so long, which I think was the. I mean, I don't understand why you messed that up because it was the best playoff format in sports. I mean, other than March Madness. So, but regardless, I think, um, I just think it's too watered down. But yeah, it always comes down to money and you know more uh, money, big uh, TV deals, of course. And but no, I, I think ultimately it's it. I think the the answer to the question is no. It doesn't make it better. It just it's still a watered down product. More games, more money. I just want to say that the definition of fans uh, of the NBA is living on a prayer. That's that's what I would title them, everybody. Living, living on a prayer. Living on a prayer. If you're not like three teams. But I will say this, though, because we're, we have, we're done with quick fire narratives. But, but ultimately, I mean, the super team uh, formula doesn't always work. I mean, look at the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, I mean, with, uh, I mean, good, good, good Lord with, I mean, Kevin Durant, James Harden, uh, and uh, was it Kyrie Irving? Kyrie right? Irving. I mean, I mean, they, they, they played like barely any games together. I mean, gosh, I mean, I think KD, Devin Booker and the, and who's the other guy on that team? Is it a, oh gosh, who's the other person as a part of their big three? I'm blanking right now, but anyway, but uh, it's NBA. No one cares anyway, but uh, it's <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Um, but seriously, um, but ultimately, though, it doesn't mean that it's going to work out 100%. I mean, the original bit, the, the, the really big uh, time, like the very first term, at least that I can remember of the big three, that term being coined uh, was with the Boston Celtics. So when it was Kevin Garnett, um, oh, my gosh, uh, Ray Allen and uh, Paul Pierce. Uh, thank you, Paul Pierce. I mean, and, and they and they ended up winning eventually kind of deal. And then, of course, then you had LeBron James, uh, Chris, uh, Chris Bosh and uh, – and Dwayne Wade, and they won. They won two two championships. So, but but it doesn't always work out the way because even the 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 Golden State Warriors. I mean, they didn't. I mean, they drafted their. I mean, most of their town. They brought guys in for sure as well, and they've eventually brought Kevin Durant in too. Um, which I mean, that's a whole nother conversation. Maybe that's a narrative for later on. Um, how, is what Kevin, a cupcake. I was gonna say, is Kevin Durant a Hall of Famer? I mean, I mean, especially since he likes to chase championships. <laughs> but um, that's all. That's a conversation for another time. But. Anyway, but that but that's I guess that's the NBA for you. It's just what it is what it is. But uh, but, but just like in any sport, bringing together an, an all star team doesn't always uh, doesn't always equal a championship. I mean, chemistry is important. Uh, so so much there's so much more to the formula than just that. You know what I want to do? 
I want to branch out in our podcast here. I want to hit the streets and ask people, did they really think they anybody had a chance when Golden State ended up signing uh, Kevin Durant? I want to ask, do they honestly think that their team had a chance of winning? When they signed when they signed Durant? Yeah, when they signed Durant. You had Durant, you had Curry, you had Clay Thompson. We play Clay, baby. And then you had Draymond Green, the Dennis Rodman. Yes, you know, he's not he's not he's not as good as Dennis Rodman, but he, you know, kind likes- of that role. Yeah. He's yeah, got he, that role. Yeah, no, that's true. But um, but yeah, so anyway, so so that makes that wraps up quick fire narrative. So we're gonna go ahead and move into quick takes. Uh, I'm going to go first. Um, just wanted to shout out, you know, we talked a ton about the buildup and the, the outline of the men's World Cup, and we don't want to be accused of being sexist or anything like that. Um, so I want to spend equally amount of time talking about the women's FIFA World Cup, which is coming up in uh, in just a couple months. Right? So the ladies. They the first game for the Women's World Cup kicks off on July 20th. They're playing in Australia and New Zealand. Hopefully, they don't get bit by any of those creepy venomous creatures in Australia. But um, the the women, the U.S. women, because we're all pretty U.S. centric here on this podcast, right? Their group stage, real quick, we're going to talk about. Um, oh, where'd it go? Here it is. So they're going to kick off against Wales, which is ironic because we played the men played Wales in their group stage. And then they're going to play Vietnam and then the Netherlands. That's their group stage. And then, uh, oh, it looks like also Portugal as well. So, um, yeah, so that's our group. We got Wales, Vietnam, the Netherlands, and Portugal. For the women's national team in the World Cup, the women, the U.S. women are obviously huge favorites in that, as usual, um, though they did lose their number one scorer um, to a patella tendon tear, I believe, in uh, one of our friendlies against Ireland, the Republic of Ireland, um, just a week ago. And so that's going to be interesting. How Who's going to fill that gap? Um, we've got questions in defense. This is probably the most questioned group to go into a World Cup in a few years or a few cycles. Um, so there's a lot to prove, even though we're favorites. Uh, it'll be interesting. I'm looking forward to watching the women and uh, and supporting them in that World Cup. Yeah, for me, Matt, I love that because, uh, uh, I mean, I love, I mean, when it comes to soccer, I, I've said it before, but for for me, I love uh, soccer on a national level. Like you know, like when it comes to the men's men's national team and the women's national team. But for me, truthfully, it's always been about mostly about the women's national team. I mean, I mean, of course, I do root for the root for our boys, and you know, hope they they, they do well, and you know, win a, whether it be well, win a World Cup or you know the the Concacaf or what or you know Gold Cup or what have you. But I mean, when it comes to I mean, uh, our girl, uh, the, the ladies, I mean. There's no question. I mean, the history that that the U.S. Uh, has with uh, our success in uh, in, in uh, on the world stage. Uh, but no, I I love uh, I just love watching the girls play. They're so so talented. It's so exciting, and I mean, just just a crazy talented group of girls. So I really hope that we do uh, that they do well. All right, so we'll move on to the next quick take, which I'll jump in, Nick, if it's okay with you. 
Um, so for me, uh, my uh, quick take is about is uh, about pitcher Brady Ware. So Brady Ware plays for the University of Indiana- Indianapolis, uh, as a, which is a Division II team uh, in the in, in the NCAA. Uh, Brady, uh, back on uh, April seventh, I believe, uh, is when it was specifically, but April seventh, uh, th- uh, threw a no hitter and hit for the cycle in the same game. So first of all, that's that's something that's never happened in in, in professional baseball history. Um, and th- actually, even and more on top of that, a pitcher. I mean, especially with we were talking before about you know pitchers uh, being a hitter, you know, pitching and hitting, you know, kind of deal like like Otani is. Uh, but no pitcher has ever hit for the cycle in in, in major league history. Uh, uh, but also, yeah, I mean, t- to throw a no hitter, uh, which I mean, here's his stats. Uh, seven. Um, Seven innings pitched, eleven strikeouts, and four for four. I mean, hit the hit for the cycle. Which, uh, for those that don't know, hitting for the cycle is getting a single, double, triple, and a home run in the same game. So, an absolute like uh, crazy game. Which they actually their team won fourteen to nothing, uh, and it was during a double a, uh, a double header as well. Uh, they won their first game eight to seven against against this team, uh, the team they were playing, which is Drury, and they uh, won the second one fourteen to nothing, uh, rightfully so, <laughs> but. But it's yeah, absolute craziness. I mean, uh, definitely tip of the cap. Um, I mean to uh, to Brady Ware for being able to accomplish such an amazing thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just it makes you think that I mean, it's never it's never happened in in, in major league history. But I, I would say if there's someone that could probably do it, it would be Otani for sure. I mean, with how talented talented he is. But I mean, it's one thing for a player to have such a great game uh, behind the play, uh, you know, uh, at the plate just you know, basically just being their day, but to be able to have this, uh, the same uh, type of, com- uh, I mean, command and, uh, and wherewithal to be able to pitch a no hitter of all things. I mean, it would have been impressive enough if you got 11 strikeouts in a game and gave up a couple runs, you know, like that would have been impressive enough. I mean, but a no hitter and hitting for the cycle, absolute insanity. And I just can't imagine, I mean, how he felt in that moment. I mean, obviously ridiculously ecstatic and, uh, and hopefully it does. I mean, it continues well for him uh, uh, from here throughout his career. And you know, hopefully uh, as he goes, you know, one day transitions into the uh, to the to the uh, on a professional uh, into the minors and in, onto a uh, professional level as well. So, but pretty awesome. All right, Nick, you're up. All right, we're gonna keep it with baseball because baseball's back, baby. All right, woo! And I my quick take is gonna be on the resurgence of Jared Kelnick. For the Seattle Mariners. Now, for those that know, for those that don't know, Jerry Kelnick was a player that uh, Depoto, the GM of the Seattle Mariners, traded for. He had him ranked as the best hitter on the board. He pulled out an amazing deal to trade to get him from the Mets. And in his first season with the Mariners was an absolute disaster. You know, with many saying bust, with many questioning the Poto on being outspoken in a press conference and the news that Kelnick was the best pure hitter that he has seen in the last decade. Everything went wrong in that first season. But this coming into this season, spring training, and then following into the actual season, capped off by a 482-foot home run to center field. 
Jared Kelnick has been on a whole nother level. He looks completely different. He looks poised in the box, steady with his hands, everything that you would ever teach about baseball in your approach, your swing, everything. He has went 180 degrees in the, in the opposite direction of what he was last year. Last year, he changed his stance every at bat. He, his hands were different. He, he stood upright. He was down, you know, kind of squat down in the box and he just looked uncomfortable. He looked like a high school kid. I think he probably looked like me if I tried to go in uh, hitting the major leagues. And so I, I wanted to give him a shout out uh, in my quick take to the continuous and how hard baseball is and the continuous learning that you need to not only stay in the MLB, but to progress and have a an outstanding career. In an interview, DePoto kind of chastised a bit uh, the bust narrative of Kelnick. Uh, I mean, first, you know, saying the guy's 22 years old, for one, but also talked about, which I don't think gets talked about enough, is when you are developed in a certain system, and sometimes when you're developed by poor coaching, and then you go to a completely new system style of, of, of reading uh, reading the baseball to approach at the plate. It is a it is a complete shock, and when you have to rebalance yourself into doing something completely different, and even in interviews, Kelnick has said, "I had just learned for the first time in my career how to swing a bat, how to properly swing a bat, how to keep the bat in the zone, and." keep the barrel in there as long as possible to be able to drive the ball to all fields. And that struck me as like, you're a major leaguer. How are you just learning this? But I think it speaks volumes to one, the lack of, of coaching that you can see in certain organizations, but the trust that Jared Kelnick has in the Seattle Mariners, the great coaching staff the Seattle Mariners has. And so I just want to give him a shout out, Jared Kelnick, uh, congratulations on this resurgence of your career. I hope that you stay in Seattle and have a tremendous career. And I'm rooting for you 100%. I'm going to go out and buy one of your jerseys, baby. Uh, so, yeah, shout out to Jerry Kelman. Right on. Well, hey, shout out to Anthony Volpe as well, our highly touted rookie. Uh, that is uh, starting shorts after the New York Yankees. Him and Aaron Judge went back to back yesterday in uh, the first inning. Uh, he led off the lineup, and uh, that's pretty awesome. You, you so. know what's really funny about this is that you've been nagging both of us all pod <laughs> about time and violations Whoa. and everything. We're not. We're is not. We're not in narratives right now. We're not. Is, is this another here. quick take, David? You got two. Uh, you got two. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to take another quick take. Shout out to the Walker of the St. Louis Cardinals. I got him on my dynasty fantasy team. He ended up being the first player since 1900 to hit in 12 straight games to start his career. The guy is is like six foot five, 230 pounds. He is huge. He hits the ball hard. Uh, it is un amazing, this player coming into the league. And shout out to all the youth that's coming into the MLB. I'm telling you, this youth, this top 100 prospects that are all coming up right now and in the next few years – it's going to be a resurgence for many teams, uh, including the New York Yankees. Uh, but yeah, baseball, the new rules, players coming in. Right. It's, uh, it's, it's beautiful, baby. Right. It's beautiful. Yeah. And, you know, hey, shout out to Del Taco. 
for having an above average street taco for its for its constituents. Thanks. Nice. Is that are we gonna get a um what is that called? Some funding that we're gonna sponsorship from uh Del Taco. Hopefully. <laughs> hey, well now in all serious, it's actually pretty good, but anyway. Okay. Well, well now I'm, that everybody's firmly yeah. asleep from all that baseball talk, um, I'm gonna drop a little bit of uh a little bit of Oh, wow. Just bl- philosophy. There we go. Philosophy wow. for you guys. All right. This one comes from Aristotle. Quality is not an act. It's a habit. There we go. With that, I say peace out, Girl Scouts. Peace out. Peace out. Peace out, Matt. <laughs> See ya. See you guys. <laughs> Y'all ready for this?